Welcome to The Privy. I am Courtney, sitting here today with a new guest. I just met him, what, a couple weeks ago, last week. If you remember on the episode, I mentioned the queer flea market, which should be the Brooklyn queer flea market. And I am sitting here with the founder today, Mr. Ron Sesse. Did I do that correctly? You, you sure did. Hey, um, what up, BK? How are you? <laughs> now, are you from Brooklyn originally? No, not at all. Where are you from? I'm an LA kid. I mm. grew up in uh, California. Did we talk about that before? I don't think we did. I used to live in LA. I lived in LA for seven years. Where about? I lived in Marina Del Rey um, for the first like three years, and then the last three to four, I lived in downtown LA. Cool. Yes, very yeah. very cool. It's very different than what it was when I lived there, though. That uh-huh. was some time ago. What part are you from? What part? Um, so I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley. Okay. But I'm the product of divorce. What's up, trauma? <laughs> and. Uh, so, uh, my dad also actually lived in Torrance, which is like a neighboring city to Marina mm-hmm, Del Rey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had a nice like weekend getaway to the beach cities, which okay. was cool. What, um, what brought you out to New York? Um, I was originally working for, um, a queer, a queer television channel okay. that's based out here. Okay. Um, and I was working remotely from California for a while, but upward mobility was an issue. So, uh, I had to physically be here in order to do more. Okay, so you mentioned you work for a queer um, television station. You the the flea market is the Brooklyn queer flea market, and I know you identify yourself as queer as Correct. opposed to gay. Can you explain that to the listeners what that means? Because I feel like it's that term is such a such a one is such a powerful term, but I feel like it changes from person to person, even within the LGBTQ community. Um, I kind of see it now as like an umbrella. To all the L, the L G, B T basically. Sure. But how? Explain that to me. Explain Absolutely. How, yeah. yeah. Um. No. It's I. I. I do see it treated as that umbrella a mm-hmm. lot, which I mean I. I'm here for. I think that it should sort of sort of serve as that umbrella <laughs> label. Um. The uh, term has evolved since I've identified it with it. Okay. Also, and so the meaning also has sort of expanded. Yeah. Um, I started identifying as queer in 2006. Okay. Um, my sister was really political, and so I was 18, fresh out of high school, okay. and feeling very political, feeling my political oats. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, going to college, and um, all of the imagery surrounding gayness at the time was purely around like queer as folk and like the images presented on like Will and Grace. Got it. Which we we talk about a lot on the on this podcast about the media represent media representation of us and lack thereof but go ahead sure yeah exactly and and as somebody who like is like i am i am a i am a man who has sex with men but i'm also a uh i i am also a man of color i am Mm -hmm. also um while i may not always express my gender as Mm -hmm. fluid i am someone who like will accept all pronouns i'm someone who feels uh very much uh day-to-day like my my masculine representation and my feminine represent- representation is dependent on that mood and that right, moment right um i don't feel locked into like a specific image but right. initially i identified as queer because i just didn't feel like there was representation for people like me under the term gay got it um and i didn't want i didn't there was a there was a need to distance myself from the like jacks of will and grace of right. the world which right. is what sort of the caricature was at the time right. of like what a gay man was um then a little show called noah's ark happened yeah absolutely and a noah's ark yeah. was my one refuge in queer yeah. media it was like the one 
time I saw people that like they didn't necessarily look exactly like me, mm-hmm. but they were folks who like I understood the narrative. I understood yeah. where they came from. I understood the experience. If you connected with it, sure, yeah. It also took place in L.A. It just felt like it felt like home. It yeah. felt like watching home, right? Um, and so since then, I've always sort of been political and always felt very much like queer was the identity that made made the most sense for me. Okay. Um, I will occasionally on like social media and stuff like that. Uh, allow gay to be used interchangeably with that yeah. for me just because I understand that I am a cisgendered male yeah, and I am somebody who is like male presenting and so right. like that privilege exists and right. you know like that I'll, I'll give that freedom to other people if they'd want to identify me as gay but mm-hmm. my personal preference is queer okay. Um, okay. and it's and it's strictly it strictly was initially because of like that image and right. wanting to distance myself from it now queer means so many other things, yeah. right? Because queer, when I was initially using it, was directly tied to sexuality. Now it also like is a manifestation of gender, yeah, um, and all of that stuff. And so, I actually got into a really interesting debate with someone about whether or not uh, I was allowed to identify as queer. Really? Well, because in the queer spectrum, I occupy a very, very like um, mask space, yeah. right? Like I present very male, yeah. Um, and there are, are people who, um, have a much harder time who identify with queer, right. uh, based on their presentation. And so there's almost a need to measure one another, which I don't understand. And I also, like, which I don't understand that either. I mean, even with talking about queer, um, and today, even on like our social media and things like queer and, um, we did an episode on the term faggot and all these terms that have kind of been reclaimed. It's still... I'm not always black. Like, I can't always explain it to someone who even asked me because it is always evolving. And it's all people's perspective is just so different of the thing. I'm surprised that someone would get in a heated debate with you trying to just measure it into like that's just so confusing to me. It's just like such a. I mean, it, it is what it is. There's, there is a lot of, there are a lot of opinions. The queer community right now is feeling particularly galvanized. Yeah. And, occupying any amount of privilege I think mm. is it's easy to like reduce someone to that right? right and then to like write them off because of it right but um it's always been a mission of mine to create space and to mm-hmm. create uh opportunities for visibility and uh I very much have advocated for queerness for tw- for 12 years I've advocated for queerness since a lot uh since before a lot of uh a lot of people accepted queer. Right. When I worked at that uh, television channel, right. people there didn't uh, feel comfortable with me using the word queer. Oh, wow. Um, and I was challenged a lot Yeah. Um, based on that. And there was a lot of discussion and internal arguments and debates about like whether or not like we should expand the LGBT, which what it was at the time, to the LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I think it's it, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. And uh, I stood by that. Yeah. And I'm proud I stood by that. Yeah. And I think in large part, that's how we get to a space. Like today, I'm not crediting myself with everything, but I'm saying that like I played a part in that. Right. I, I, I advocated for it. And yeah. I think that we all should. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all under... We all have very similar paths, although they may not be identical paths. Um, we all have that similar path, and I think we sh- should all like exude a sense of empathy for each other, whether you be consider yourself queer, gay, bisexual, 
transgender, pansexual, what have you. Like, we all have a similar kind of like... Yeah, exactly. Similar, like, coming out situation, oppression, and all those things are, are wanting to fit into a larger society, I guess you would say. Sure. Now, speaking, you just mentioned um, wanting to create, your mission was to create spaces. So I want to get into the Brooklyn Oh, my God. Brooklyn Queer (laughs) Flea Market. I just want to... Whatever. So, the Brooklyn Queer Flea Market. You started that how long ago? It started in February 2018. So, it's relatively new. Um, We're a very young flea. Um, But we have... We're growing really rapidly. And I'm really excited about, like, where we've come to. Yeah. Did you envision it the way it is? And why that? I mean, there's a really good sense of energy when you go in there. Like, everyone is super cool nice friendly it's like a really cool positive environment like is that what you envision or it just kind of naturally came to that um that was that was a very deliberate yeah that was, that was yeah. a hope mm-hmm. um they're creating spaces and creating events and, and doing these sorts of endeavors they i think people are will often think of uh that like effort as um They'll, they'll look at someone who does that and say, like, oh, you're a promoter. Mm-hmm. And, like, beyond promotion, there's a design element to this. Mm. Like, you have to go in with a vision, go in with a narrative for what's happening, right. and you sort of, like, create that narrative and translate that to the audience. Right. Um, my The promotion end of, like, doing these sorts of events is actually my least favorite thing. Right. It's, it has nothing to do with why I do it. Right. What, I'm, what I'm hoping to create here is uh, an opportunity to curate an yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, and that was always sort of the intention. Um, we want the 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 space that it's held in the Rosemont for anyone who hasn't been. I also work there. Come through on a Saturday night. It's popping. Ooh, ooh. Hey hey. hey um, but it's it's also uh, sort of lends itself to a, as like a community queer space, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't shy away from like making sure that it everyone feels welcome. Exactly. Right? Like there, there's a really deliberate effort there, yeah. and so. When we were designing the queer flea, it just made a ton of sense mm-hmm. that uh, we sort of carry on that narrative. Right. Um, it was always about like access, yeah. and that that was a large part of it. I, the Brooklyn queer community is relatively small. There are a lot of creatives in it, and we all know each other. Yeah. We're all friends, yeah. and so um, I had already wanted to do a flea market. Mm-hmm. I had already wanted to do something similar to that because I knew all these people who exclusively sold merch online, who yeah. were, had relatively large followings, and it just like it didn't make sense that there wasn't a store space where yeah. they could like, uh, where you could physically try on the items and right. like, hang out and right. talk to the creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, through the winter, times were really actually hard on mm-hmm. a lot of the bars in Brooklyn. Um, uh, I don't know why I said that like that would be a surprise. It's snowing <laughs> it's, out, yeah. obviously. Ain't nobody coming out. Um, but the, um, the, there was a lot of concern around like, what can we do to motivate foot traffic on like, a daytime during the weekend mm-hmm. and um i pitched this idea and it worked yeah. and i'm i'm really for i we've been really fortunate yeah no what to someone who doesn't know or can't put two and two together what is the brooklyn um queer flea market sure um so it the the mission behind it is to create uh, a space where queer creatives can showcase their talent in a uh in a space that is like accessible, mm-hmm. and also in a space that like uh, sort of exists already as a hub for mm-hmm. the fans. Yeah. Um, and the Rosemont has definitely like positioned positioned itself to be that in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, 
it's where all the best parties are. It's a, it's yeah. a lot. Of, it's a really good time. Yeah, I uh, need to go because I still have not been. But like I think I told you this before, I have plenty of friends that go to the Rosemont who don't even know each other, but all as you said are very creative. Yeah. Um, and they go, and I was like, I've never been. To, that was my <laughs> first time going to the Rosemont in the daytime. Um, definitely not why I envision because it seems so much bigger when you see it on everyone's Instagram. Uh-huh. You think of this like massive place because there's always a performance going on. And I'm uh-huh. like, where are they doing these performances? And I was like, <laughs> where is all of this going down at? Tell me. It is It is not the biggest space in the yeah. world. It is, is. But it's cute and it has so much character and the outdoor space is amazing, which I love. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely... Uh, for what it is, it's bigger than you can imagine. But it's but, yeah. but, but for what it is, it's actually not very big at all. Um, it, come this Saturday, I'll take care of you. Yeah, very cute. Oh my god, I have to come. Um, now, were you influenced? Like now that I know you are from Southern California, were you influenced by any like flea market? Is was that something you did a lot growing up? Are you flea kidding market? me? The indoor swap meet was like my listen. Judge, are you kidding? Listen, me? Listen, I, I was love a flea life. market. <laughs> I love. It. I am from the south, so I'm from North Carolina, and so we do flea markets like every weekend. And then when I moved to Alight, similar thing. Like Pasadena was once a month, we would go to the Melrose Trading Post. Like it's always about a flea market. And so even when I found out about, it, I was like, oh my god, how cool! Because you never even think about something like that. I was looking up. There's a in LA, there is actually a queer, a vegan queer flea market. Do you know about that? No. Yeah, it's a vegan queer, which is so interesting. I couldn't find a lot of information on Hold it. Hold on, I'm calling like, my lawyer. <laughs> but I think they have it, like, I think somewhere downtown. But um, what kind of response have you gotten from, uh, like, from the start, like, three months ago of the uh, Brooklyn queer flea? I, I, I don't know that there wasn't, like, I don't know that there was a... Uh, a response at all. I mean, mm. I think most people just sort of were reluctant. Mm. I don't think that they saw the vision the way I saw the right. vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's not unfounded. There's nothing like it right now yeah. in in the queer space in Brooklyn. Right. Um, there are similar sort of endeavors where like people will do pop up shops. But I was going like, to say like a one off, a major event where they'll support, but not a continuous. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's also like in the summer months there's this really great uh party at the Rosemont called Tanlines that that has done flea markets mm-hmm. along with a party. Yeah. Before, but um it was seasonal and it just like wasn't year round and it we needed more uh we needed a sort of a larger sort of encompassing scope. Yeah. Um also every flea has its own personality and our yeah. flea has a very specific like type of artist that it attracts for some reason and so that's Which sort is. of where we've been leaning. And what kind of artist is that? It's been a lot of um well it's a, a lot of the initial artists that were involved were uh friends like I said that mm-hmm. I, we knew through social media and all and sort of just socializing in Brooklyn and so yeah. there, it's a lot of like uh illustrators and photographers whereas other flea markets that I've been to it's been like like I know a really cool one coming up is the drag tag sale mm-hmm. that a friend of mine is throwing mm-hmm. and it's it's all drag uh merch mm-hmm. and it's all um it's all drag apparel that it, like queens are getting rid of out of their own closet. Oh wow. And that's I mean that's really cool. It's its own concept but it, again it's its own concept. It's separate from what we're doing. It's right. not um I think there's there's this idea that like que- that these flea markets can't all exist yeah. uh, together, yeah. and they can't as they should. Yeah, they they absolutely should. Yeah. There's enough space for all of us, yeah. and uh, the audiences for them shouldn't be made to choose. Yeah, um, that might have actually been the second response that we got really? to, to your question. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, there were a lot of other uh, people who organized 
uh, things like that who were maybe a little skeptical because mm. they felt like, oh, are you trying to like edge out of uh, edge us out of our space? And the truth is, I'm just trying to create more space. I have no interest in edging anyone out of anything. Right, right. What's the one of the biggest lessons you've learned since starting the Brooklyn Queer Flame? Um, that people love a reason to day drink. <laughs> And that's the tea. That they really do. Is. They, they do. As I got two drinks drink. last weekend. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It is a fun time. And they buy more. The you more you know. get people liquored up, they will buy. You know. They will buy more. I also sure. think that the people love alliteration. Yeah. Sip and shop was, you know, we've been pushing it. We've been trying to get people to listen. Um, uh, now that the weather's getting nicer, I'm also learning that, like, people, that there, that there are other ways that we can use that space. Right. Um, I we have some really cool stuff coming up for the Maithly. Okay. Um, stuff that we couldn't have possibly done in February or March. Awesome. And so it'll be a really great use of the outdoor space, which, like, if you haven't been to the Rosemont, the outdoor yeah. space is, like, Amazing. It's the reason to go. Yeah, it's, it's so, so nice. Good. Um, she was chilly the other day, so I didn't <laughs> stay, stay, stay out there too long, but it's really nice. Absolutely. Nice, nice yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you? Okay, so one of the things, it really hit home for me when I went, because I am a firm believer of supporting LGBTQ companies, organizations, and, like, just really putting means back into our community. Um, how Did that play a role in you starting the Brooklyn Flea? And speak to a little bit, and if you even agree with this, how important do you think it is to support LGBTQ organizations um, financially? <laughs> um, well, support LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. folk, mm-hmm. regardless, in any capacity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I fully believe that, uh, but also financially. Yeah, yes. I think um, that's I think that's a big part that we are missing in today's, I mean, in today's climate. I think there is a challenge that we are not addressing, and I think we should really hit them in our pockets. And I, I think we need to band together and really start to kind of just move in that direction. Um, and I've been a firm believer of that. So that's why it felt so good to even come to the Brooklyn Queer Fleet because you just want to like, you just want to buy everything. Get all, <laughs> take all your, take all my coins, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Please do. Question. No, please do. Uh, <laughs> the, the, you, you said it beautifully. Uh, yeah. Our, we have a lot of economic economic power. Yeah. And that is something we need to flex more often. Yeah. Um, no one will do better for our community than our community. Yeah. And, um, that's why it's important for us to create these spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we won't, who will? Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, y'all. I'm trying to fight a cold, so <laughs> you're going to see me. You're going to hear me wheezing. Uh, you're going to have to forgive me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the flea was very much motivated by the idea that, like, there are all these other people trying to profit off of queerness. Exactly. But uh, the real people who uh, maybe should be profiting off of this queerness are, are, are queer people. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, there isn't enough space for us. Right. Uh, so that was that was like one motivator. The other thing is that like with our current political climate, mm-hmm. uh, people uh, the que- the LGBTQIA plus community is feeling very very. And this is a blanket statement, but this is my experience uh-huh. at least here in Brooklyn. Folks are feeling very. Um, Galvanized, uh-huh. they're feeling like we need to step up. We yeah. need to do something. We need to make ourselves known, Absolutely. and that's because right now the patriarchy is in full effect, yeah. and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people flexing power, yeah. and it's terrifying. Yeah. I think to feel not just like we might be uh, unseen or mm-hmm. we might be unheard, mm-hmm. but uh, we're also like 
potentially facing uh, very real uh, violence mm. or like like our safe spaces are being taken away yeah. from us. And with all of that happening, now more than ever, we need to band together. We need to support our community. We need to support these people who are creating art that challenges the patriarchy, mm. mm-hmm. that challenges what uh, most people are looking at as normative mm. and are reminding people that we're here. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's overt, but like all of it is beautiful. Yeah. And all of it is fierce. Yeah. And those expressions of art need to be celebrated. Right. And that's really like what motivates the queer flea. Yeah. And and um sort of what we hope to be the through line moving forward right. with the flea. Now I sent you an article from um I did. Advocate magazine. Did you read it? I did. Oh, what did you think? Um, well, I thought it was powerful. Yeah. I, admittedly, it was sort of, it was it underscored of a feeling I sort of already had. Right, yeah. So I can't say that it was like maybe the most um, like mind-blowing yeah, yeah. concept, but I'm glad to see it put into Exactly. Words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, th- same for me when I read it. So it was um, by Advocate Magazine by Justin Nelson and Chance Mitchell. January 2nd of this year. So it was much earlier in the year. Well, not much earlier. It's just like three or four months ago. Wait, what month are we? April. Like, so <laughs> four months ago. Courtney, relax. Um, I just wanted to highlight a couple of things. Um, so it starts off with talking. So the name of the article. Oh, my God. I, le- I left that part off. Oh, God, I'm terrible. Anyway, um, look it up, guys. Bye. Boom. The LGBT. <laughs> LGBT economy is America's future. That is the name of the title. Thank God somebody came prepared today because I was messy. Um, So one of the points it makes, it kind of intros, we have fought hard to secure our rights in the name of equality, but our true equity and ability to bring about change for our community lies with our economic power. And one of the the things that really, that I was kind of, I was a little bit shocked by this. Um, If the total... Contributed value of the estimated 1.4 million American LGBT business owners is considered. Our input to the economy is over 1.7 trillion. That would make LGBT Americans the tenth largest economy in the world. For a little perspective, that's bigger than the econo- uh, than the economies of Australia, Canada, and South Korea combined. How crazy is that? It is. Insane. I had no like. I knew we had like power, but I. Yeah, that's a lot. Bigger than Australia, Canada, and South Korea combined. Yeah, to to scale it or like to to offer sort of a reference in mm-hmm. that way is shocking. But I mean, did you have any doubts? I I, I, I knew I, I knew had we had five like, power. One point seven trillion. That's pretty impressive. I I remember in working in television and uh at, specifically for queer networks that mm-hmm. like when we were doing advertising stuff mm-hmm. that I remember there being a lot of information supporting the fact that like the 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 one of the largest. Um, demographics that mm-hmm. that advertisers want to hit are mm-hmm. uh, were gay men, and a lot of that had to do with the expendable income yeah. and the uh, sort of freedom of dependence. Right. Um, and so, like that, tied with this information, complete that makes complete sense. Yeah. Of course, of course, that there there's so much buying power. Um, we, we also, I mean, we I also we often underestimate ourselves, though. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I think we need to... I think we're conditioned to do that, though. That is true. That is true. I think that we don't realize that, and we don't really, like, take small and larger steps to, like, come together and really support um, LGBTQ 
Is that high A plus? Is that what you said? Yeah. I realize that I leave that out all the time. And I'm like, No, oh. well, so, but that's the thing. The the acronym is always ever-changing, right? Okay, like, it's, yeah. it's about as and fluid longer, as our number. Bitch, it's hard for me to remember all these damn letters. <laughs> um. There's, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to be, there's a lot of folks who need to be acknowledged, which is why that sort of acronym exists. The plus exists just also to acknowledge the sort of grander, yeah. the folks that we can't acknowledge yeah. yet. Because <laughs> there, are, there isn't the language to put it right, out there yet. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, queer buying power has always been a thing. Yeah. It's something that we need to harness more often. Yeah. I am a part of an activist group, and this activist group is really dope. What's up, Voices 4? Ooh, number uh, four, Voices number four, guys. <laughs> <you> <laughs> we talked about that last Instagram. week, too. <laughs> you follow us on Instagram, Voices 4 underscore. Um, and we're relatively new, but we've been... Blow it up. Yeah. Go ahead. Get it. Get it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> There's tissues right behind. Oh, this is never been done. Get the tissue. Yeah. You can no, get the tissue. We're, we're on air. I don't okay, know. whatever. Come down. Anyway, go ahead. Um, the, um, but so Voices 4 is a uh, direct action uh, activist group here in New York City. And we uh, used to meet at Taco Bell. After every meeting. Shut up. We did. And this was why. We wanted to find a place nearby where we were meeting uh-huh. that was um, accessible by walking, uh-huh. that wa- that had uh, food options on the menu that anyone could have. So, okay. like, if you were vegan, if you had dietary restrictions, like, there was something on the menu that you could get. Okay. And it had to be relatively low cost yeah, because we it. wanted to make sure that we were accessible to everyone. Got it. Um and that's what we would we would meet there to what to do what we called community building, which was yeah. just us kikiing after uh-huh. the meeting, just hanging out, enjoying one another, trying to build relationships. Yeah. Um, but we had to stop going, wow. and we had to stop going because we found out Taco Bell doesn't offer their trans employees uh, wow. adequate coverage, ad- adequate medical coverage. Wow. Um, and so that is. That's not necessarily like we're not out here to start a smear campaign, but yeah. we are. It, 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 there is some value in acknowledging like our money shouldn't be going to these places that aren't supporting our that. people. I love that. Um, I think a lot of times we don't know about things. Like, we don't know. Like, for instance, I, I also sent this to you about the Coachella, one of the founders um, uh, supported an anti LGBTQ campaign. 100%. Um, and uh, Cara Delevingne was the one who actually put it like to the media but like just imagine the many queer LGBTQIA plus people who went to Coachella and oh, how much money they're getting and I'm like oh no I can never go to Coachella again I have so many like, friends absolutely not <laughs> I have so many friends who went and then like were promoting it like crazy on Instagram yeah. and all of that stuff which like do you live your best life? Like I'm not. I'm not here to tell yeah. you what I'm you sh- should be doing. I'm a shade it though. No. <laughs> I'm a shade you. You though. do that, <laughs> but I. I don't. I say like you do what's best for you. Mm-hmm. I would personally want to support them uh, financially or by promoting them. Right. And that's just my personal right. feeling. I. The world shook when Beachella happened. Yeah. I unfortunately still haven't seen it, and yeah. I probably won't. And a lot of that has to do with just not. I love Beyonce. I love when her. I, when I listen, I did see. I did see it because no, it was and a by big all means, like, no. And again, that's yeah, that's yeah. you. You're welcome to do that. Yeah. I just don't. I'd rather see it live on tour. Yeah. I, I'll see that later. Yeah. I don't need to see I it now. I love that. I love um, that. Now, how do you go about making people see the importance of it? Because I think it's one thing to say and for us to make our own decisions whether we support it or not. But how do you? make people see the importance of like what you are doing to 
either support them or what you are doing by ignoring like these facts or choosing to kind of look away from things like that? Like, how do we make people see how important that is for us? I think apathy is easy. Yeah. And I think people will, I think the idea of a dollar meeting anything to anyone, Mm -hmm. I I feel like that's, I think, I feel like most people don't think a dollar is going to make a difference. Mm. Um, every dollar mm. will make a difference. Um, this is not to say that I'm like, uh, that I've, you know, never uh, been seen at a Taco Bell. Oh. <laughs> I've never, that I've never scarfed down a chalupa. When I, um, oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> I have probably had Chick-fil-A in the past five years and I've known better. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. But, but that doesn't mean um, what I was doing is reflective of where my feelings are now. And, mm-hmm it's never too late to make a concerted effort. Right. Just because you have supported somebody who might not be supportive of your community doesn't mean you have to continue to do that. Right. Um, and I think it's important to remind people that they're not, that there isn't any sort of contract to make you brand loyal. You, yeah. can, you can figure out what's best for you. There's a million products in the world that are, there's a million companies in the world offering you the same products. Mm-hmm. You can find one that works right. for you that is ethical. And um, the HRC has a really great resource for that. Yeah. And so if you're ever in a bind and you're curious about this, uh, make sure you go to the HRC and you uh, find out uh, how they sca- uh, how companies you're interested in scale on their ethical. Yeah. Uh, Some something else that I have not done um, either. Something that uh, the advocate article advocate article actually taught me is that you can look at the LGBT um, Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. and you can actually see a list of all LGBTQ. Um, own businesses, which mm. I think is so awesome. It's fierce. So you can actually do something to support them. So you can actually seek them out and actually put your dollars in. I haven't looked it up. But I have to now because I, I would be very interested to see what these companies are um, and how they are changing the community. 100%. Yeah. Um, there's uh, also a lot of discussion right now coming into Pride Month because there are a lot of companies that are mm-hmm. really, really interested in... Oh, yeah. Uh, profiting on the gay dollar. Right. But uh, the rest of the year are maybe not huge uh, supporters of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, the LGBTQIA plus community. I know, listen. Um, I gotta set my game up now. <laughs> Ronan came up here. <laughs> um, and and there are a lot of these companies reaching out to small, like, small, uh, sorry, not small in, like, like, to say anything about their impact, but, like, uh, these, like, creatives who are operating as, like, a one-person yeah. sort of consultant yeah. or business, mm-hmm. and they're saying, hey, Pride Month's coming up. We want to do something. What can we do to, like, to to show the gays that we support them for yeah. this month? Yeah. And um, there's a lot to be criticized in that approach. Oh, my God, yes. Um, I don't think people realize, though. I think people think, like, oh, yeah. oh there's a cute, you know, rainbow-colored uh, <laughs> Pampers diaper, and that means, you yeah. know, this company supports queer yeah. people. And sometimes that's not always true. You have to, you, you really have to assess where these companies are putting their money Absolutely. and where they're throwing their Absolutely. support. And how they're treating their employees, what benefits they give their employees, which you actually brought up with Taco Bell. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't even really buy into that. Even when it comes to Black History Month, um, as someone that's African-American, yeah. That gets me so tight, like just because uh-huh. everyone comes out full force, companies, TV shows, and every like they have a fact of the day, and I'm like, we have to move past that and um, start challenging the status quo and start challenging these companies to hear us all throughout the year. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
what I would like to see uh, is more of us spend time calling out um, these companies that are going to be like a part of the Pride Parade. Yeah. Uh, who aren't supportive of queer people. And mm. there are. Mm. There, there are companies that are registered mm-hmm. uh, that do not in their like very core system of mm. ethics support queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, there are companies that are going to be throwing pride parties mm. that will seem like a kiki. They will seem cute. They might even feature some of your favorite uh, drag queen television personalities. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they're going to be using their money to support you. Right. Uh, the money that you pay them yeah. to attend this event yeah. to support you further down the line. And so that's the sort of stuff that we have to remind people mm. uh, to your original question of how could we yeah. make this more valuable to people? Yeah. Understand that sometimes those resources that you're putting toward them will wind up being weapons used against you later. Mm. Um, and I guess that's the lesson of just do your research. I do think that we are in a time frame as much as our political climate is dare I say fucked up at the, at this moment. <laughs> um, I think it has really awakened people to do more of their research, um, to be more involved and just not to just sit and think, oh, everything is great now. We we arrived, which I think that is a plus side to it. Um, yeah. that people are starting to like move and be active and yeah, just do more. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that there's like an instinct people have to remove themselves from things that yeah. they don't feel uh, are good for them. Yeah. And I actually feel that it's important that we do the opposite. Right. Um, if you want to affect change, you can't do it by removing yourself from the system. Tell them. It's fine, bro. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, fine. Uh, she's, it's fine. She's, she's, she's again that cold. She, she <laughs> creeped it up. Um, the the it's not an, it's not going to do anyone any uh you're not helping your community at all by removing yourself from the systems that you think need reevaluation and change mm-hmm. in fact you should infiltrate those systems right. you should infiltrate those systems and affect change from within because those are the only ways in which uh we're going to m- manage mm-hmm. um i was very i felt very neglected by queer media mm. uh, we were talking about this oh earlier. yeah i still do and uh, and sure in, a, in a lot of ways the, yeah in a lot of ways i still feel ignored by queer media mm-hmm. uh but that doesn't mean that we should run away from queer media right. instead we should be the image that we want to see in queer media right we should, we su- should yeah and i think we should support the queer media that we have which is that's what's been hard for me um there's so many things I don't like, but I'm like, you know what? I got to celebrate it because unless I celebrate it, there won't be more of it. Does that make sense? So, like, yes. Oh, uh-oh, oh, uh-oh, no, uh-oh. See, here we go. So, like, I agree to an extent, but I also feel like it's important that we have... How do I How do I put this? So, there's often content put out that I think if it were put out by a straight person for a straight audience, people would be like, that is terrible. Why yeah. is anyone doing Absolutely. that? Absolutely. We shouldn't be putting out – we shouldn't be celebrating content that I don't think, like, meets the mark. If we're going to represent queer media, we should be doing it in a way that keeps up with everybody else. We shouldn't set a bar, uh, the bar lower because but, it's queer. But isn't that kind of ter- – like, I only think about it like this. Like, you are still – there. 
there might be, and I'm not going to call out any shows specifically, although I want to so bad. But um, <laughs> within those shows, people are getting paid. Queer, LGBTQIA people are like, whether it be production, cast and crew, like whatever the case may be, they are still like part of the community. And I feel like we should still support them. Now, should you be posting on your Instagram and be like, oh, go watch? Absolutely not. But I do think there some should be some type of celebration that it is at least visible. Sure. Even if it doesn't seem like it's for us. Um, I do think there should be some celebration. And I just most recently matured to this, hopefully. I hope sure. this is maturity. But I'm, I was kind of like you probably just four months ago. I was like, mm, no, I'm not doing that. But okay. now I feel obli- obligated to like support it because I feel like without supporting it, I want. I want an example, o- only because I'm curious. I, I'm. I'm really. I'm wondering, like, oh, they're gonna, they gonna break me down. Well, there's just so, so many... okay. So, for instance, I think queer eye for the straight guy. That's well, what I was queer, thinking. Queer of. eye. Okay. I'm sorry. Queer eye. That's the new. The yeah. new term. Um, I've been asked about it a lot, and I remember when it first came out this year. Um, I had so many. There are so many. I could name off like six straight. Men who love the show, they love. They yeah. were putting it on the gram and everything. And it wasn't until recently, I, someone articulated this to me. And it was like, you know, it's because they have created that show for Middle America. They have created that show for straight people. They haven't really created it for us. However, I do have this. I want to support Karamo. Like I want to support these gay figures, these Absolutely. these personalities. I definitely would love to like support them because I. They just making their bread too. They making their coins, and I'm like, well, I'm not gonna dis. I feel like it's a it's personal for me to like personally attack them, but I do think that we should <laughs> look at you. No, 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 no. I do, I do think we should challenge it though. I will go on record and say I'm not a fan. I think, as much as I was pleasantly surprised by some of the the cute like emotional moments, I just think it's such so stereotypical, and it hasn't changed that much. Like. <sighs> No, it doesn't represent me (laughs) at all, uh, by any means. And I think that we are so much further with, like, recent, like, media, for instance, like, movies like um, Call Me By Your Name and um, Moonlight and, like, these really, like, high-level productions to go back and revert to something that seems just so the base level of reality TV, in my opinion, that just seems a bit... Why is that a bad thing, though? I love the base level of reality TV. It gave us New York. It gave us, well, like... yeah, I mean, it... that... Yeah, Are you but... kidding me? Give me, an, give me an afternoon, a weed pen, and <laughs> uh, any season of the Bad Girls Club, and I'm a happy camper. That's not necessarily a bad I thing. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think that we have so much more to overcome, so much more to offer the community that people are not seeing. So I think when we... When we do perpetuate those continuous, especially to middle America or people who are not familiar with us, that is just the wrong message. Like, we got to leave with that. Can we leave with something a little bit more, like, challenging than the, the, and that, I also struggle with that, too. Because I'm like, I don't mean, I'm, I'm a big believer of we should start showing different types of gay queerness. Like, we've seen the same type over and over again. That's not to say that those roles should not be out there as well, but I just think that there's room for everyone to grow, and I just feel like that just is not really doing anything for the culture. I think, in my opinion, that's. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. That's valid. Sorry, not not to like dismiss your. But no opinion. shade to y'all, cast. <laughs> no, I <laughs> cast mean, crew and production. If, if anybody, if anybody who working on a project at that scale was like, "Hey, would you want to be in the reinvented version of yeah. the, the, the Fab Five? Probably was. Yeah. <laughs> Probably they're getting checked. I'm okay. there. Yeah. Um, but that's not. I, I'm not. Ha- I'm not hating on what they've done. I actually really liked the show, mm. except for one episode. There was one episode where, like, 
they pushed a narrative that I thought was like it just seemed really fabricated. Are but, you talking about when they pulled him over? Um, uh huh. Oh, th- oh, that, that was me. I oh, was bothered because that is because uh, you, if you know reality TV, you know it was it was frank, it was set up that oh, yeah. way. Yeah, so that I'm was like, so produced. People are being killed. People are being pulled over wrongfully. Like all these things into, I think feel like it kind of makes mockery, but also like that's. Uh, but, but I get what they were trying to do. It was just very. It was executed all wrong. But I think. yeah, I agree, and I think the Fab Five is great on the show. Like they mm. they they mm-hmm. do really well. Um, I I don't know that like I think it's base level reality TV because I think that there's like it's definitely it was the wrong thing to say. But no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I just don't think it was like it's not as trashy as it could have been. It could have been, you know what I mean? Like, there, there could have been a different approach altogether, yeah. and that could have been a train wreck. Yeah. I thought it was handled thoughtfully. It just, there were certain moments where I was like, mm, I don't know that, this feels transparent. Yeah. We can see what you're doing, right. and it's not really doing much for the queer community. It's, this this is here to serve a, a straight audience who feels unacknowledged, yeah. right? That's fine. If it's bridging the gap between middle Americans and sort of these like uh, metropolitan queers, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here for it. Yeah. Great, that's that's doing something. Yeah. It's not doing nothing. That's um, bridging that gap is an important one, right. right? Letting people feel connected, especially when like city dwellers, like it's it's sort of there's some value in being a city dweller now. Right. Like it's cool. Right. There's it's especially a New York City dweller. Like yeah. there's there's something hype about that. And so if this is building a bridge from us to some small town family in Oklahoma that might I'm with have, that. I can get with that. Yeah, I can get with that. Here for it. Let's mm. do that. Um, there are other examples of queer media that I don't think are as Even. effective yeah. or or making as big of an impact. And yeah. that's the sort of stuff that I think we should maybe reassess and re-examine. Give me an example. Um, I think the media in general is really quick to celebrate the narratives of any any fit cis white oh yeah gay yeah uh, and there's a narrative there that is it's not I mean it's not only like we've seen it it's a little tired yeah like it's it does what effect or what change yeah. are you trying to affect? Yeah. Um, it would be really, it would be, it. I would love what we have in queer media a lot more if casting was done better. Yeah. And if people were willing to take more risks. Yeah. I think everyone is so invested right now in what's happening on social media, which is great, but they're not interested in the rising stars, which is who they should be interested in. They're yeah. interested in the people who have 500,000 followers. Those people are already sort of at the top. Yeah. There's nowhere for them to go, so there's no, like, point A to point B. There's yeah. no there's no narrative to follow. Right. And that, I think, is actually a really big issue um, because then it's inconsequential. Yeah. Right? Like, what are what are, what are, what, what are they gaining? Right. What, what's actually happening here? And why am I wasting my time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> on that high on that, note. On that positive note. <laughs> on that good old positive note. Hey, we'll have to continue the conversation later. Ron, I want you back on the show. Let's do it. You're amazing. You tell me when and where. Okay. Well, you tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Ah. Yes. <laughs> tell them, boo. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Ron Sese. R-O-N-S-E-S-E. Mm-hmm. You can find me... Um, also, frequently popping up on the Voices 4 page. Okay. Uh, which is... Uh, at Voices 
at voices for underscore. Got it. At, at voices number four underscore. Yeah, and if anyone is looking to affect queer or change uh, for the global queer community, please come and join us. We meet every Wednesday at the LGBT Center in New York City at eight from eight to ten. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Oh, come good. through. Come join us. Come come start a. I'm gonna be there. Be part of I'm the coming movement. through. Of course. Please. Of course. And uh, if you want to check out the next BK Queer Flea. Um, make sure that you check us out uh, May 20th and 21st at the Rosemont in Brooklyn. That's 63 Montrose Ave okay. in Brooklyn. And um, we're going to be doing some really fierce stuff for this next one. So oh, come get a portrait. Wait. Come do some cute stuff. I'm so excited. Yes. And, and hopefully we, maybe we can even have your presence. Uh, yes, you will. And guys, make sure you go on to – it is live at this point, www.theprivypodcast.com. Um, I will be announcing some other little contests and things um, around the website. Also, hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at The Privy Podcast. Um, The Privy would like to thank you again, Ron, for being here. Of course. And as always, guys, we'll see you next time. Or you can hear us next time. Nice to chat with you.